gurgly. I just yeah, ate. It was yeah, I just ate. That I think that probably helps the with the aesthetic of the whole thing, right? Uh, morning, welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm back, and I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I'm Jackson, and we're just we're gonna cut straight to what we're talking to today. I know we normally exchange pleasantries. We shoot the shit for a little bit, but I have a feeling our topic today uh, we're going to be talking about for a good amount, so uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, this is going to be specifically the follow-up to our deep dive of a Beginner's Guide to Black Metal, which uh, today, what we alluded to on that episode, we're going to be talking about the 90s Norwegian black metal scene, and if you're curious why, well, buckle in and you'll find out. Uh, this is what, uh, let's say, uh, per se, a uh, dose two of your shot of black metal. So before we get straight into it, I do want to have a little bit of a content warning, not from the hosts ourselves, but uh, the story does contain, you know, racism, homophobia, violence, and just really all around bigotry, which is, you know, not something that any of us condone, but it. I wouldn't say it's integral to the story, but it, it, it it's just part of it. So if any of that bothers you, it's probably just this isn't going to be the episode for you. So uh, we get it, and uh, we, we still appreciate your support. Our story basically includes giant pieces of shit. They're just yeah. exclusively giant pieces of shit. Who don't necessarily think they're giant pieces of shit. Yeah, they tend no. to think they're pretty great in some cases. So our to- story takes you, and, and by the way, uh, as I mentioned we did already do a deep dive on black metal not every single black metal album we did get a little bit of requests for doing dark thrones ablaze in the norwegian sky which is something that i just don't think i can convince the rest of the hosts to do but if anybody any listeners want to do that with me i'm more than happy to do that but uh we're not going to be discussing too much in detail the actual you know track by track or like oh this album's this this is we're going to be spinning a tale for you guys and if you're curious why we're doing that on a music podcast and you don't know the 90s Norwegian black metal scene uh you're in for a ride so where we're taking you to is Oslo Norway uh mainly Oslo we'll we'll jump around a little bit but uh you know going to Bergen Norway going to Lillehammer Olympic Park but the years that our story mainly is secluded to is 1987 to 1995 we have a wide array of characters whom all have very Scandinavian names, which I did promise I will attempt to say at least once, but I'm very, very thankful that they all have uh, made-up names. And yes, we're going to be using our made-up names uh, in the style of Peter Parker. So, shall we get into it, guys? Let's do it. Let's go! Oh, yeah! (laughs) Nice hit of that Dr. Pepper, that DP, to get you in the mood for some metal. So uh, just uh, one more thing I would like to say. Some of the notable bands from this era that we'll be talking about, if there are any seasoned veterans of metal who know kind of what we're talking about, we're talking about your Mayhem, Burzum, Dark Throne, which is the band that did A Blaze in the Norwegian Sky that I mentioned immortal emperor those are a lot of the notable bands of this scene that we're talking about so we'll start with the early days in 1987 which uh, the reason i picked that date to start with is mayhem's release 
of Death Crush. You guys remember that mini LP we talked about yeah! a few weeks ago? How and could we forget? So that, while you know, you can still argue it is a bit more thrash than it is black metal. Some people argue that Dark Thrones Ablaze in the Norwegian Sky is you know the first quote unquote black metal album. It is the Death Crush is the EP that really kicked it off. Even though it had this super limited run of a thousand copies. It was massive for the scene and really kickstarted this really brutal scene. And what that really came from is this complete reaction to death metal's popularity at the time. The 90s, death metal, I know 1987, but what a lot of people uh, call the 90s death metal. And a big thing on that was really that at the time... uh, Death metal, like any genre, starts as a small subgenre or just a small movement and ends up becoming this huge thing. And uh, a lot of uh, mainstream labels ended up picking up on that. Think about what happened with, with grunge. It's much the same thing where it just gets, you know, someone does it once really well and they get a lot of fame from it. And then, you know, every week there's a new band that sounds like, Nirvana, and then every week there was a new band that sounded like Blink One Eighty Two at at a certain point in time. Yeah, exactly. Very much happened with this. Yeah, so this these guys in uh, Norway, they end up seeing this, and they're not really happy that you know it became death metal became uh, this very who could play the most clean riffs, who could be as precise as possible, which is very funny for you know I know. Hagen for sure, and I assume Dave as well, who Hagen's into Between the Buried and Me, which, you know, I'm not saying they're, you know, perfect in the sense that they play like robots, but, like, I think the point of their music is to, like, kind of show off their skills. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what we're looking at here is we're looking at, and, and, and again, if you didn't listen to our deep dive, a really important thing is that this is, like, basically lo-fi metal. It's not about, I mean, like, maybe in their minds it was about playing the most, like, precise thing in the world, but it doesn't take you very long to find metal musicians who play more precise and more accurate uh, uh, music, more, more difficult music to play, right? It's very interesting that that is a goal of theirs. You would never guess, you would never guess that's a goal of these musicians. A couple of these guys that we're going to be talking about got really fed up with how, you know, sterile everything had become and over polished and so they decided to just really kind of fuck it up and get as far away from that stuff as they could you know they were tired of the guys walking in with the leather jackets laced with nails and they thought that was funny like what are you you're not even doing anything original you're just a part of a huge movement now yeah and even on top of that talking about the aesthetic of black metal it another thing which was a reaction to what uh, the metal that they, I guess, were growing up with or was popular at the time. Uh, death metal were people like, think of your cannibal corpses who, when they are going up on stage, it's just dudes in jeans and a t-shirt, which, according to these Norwegian black metal guys, was the qu- complete antithesis of it. There was no theatrics. It wasn't brutal enough. It was too, you know, I guess, laissez-faire for them. So they start bringing in, if you look at a death metal record at the same time as a black metal record that comes out the same year, what you have is these death metal, like really 
polished, like these grand, like painted, like it, they really are these kind of like gothic artworks of album sleeves. And then you have black metal, which I've seen called, you know, like Xerox pictures. It's like a Polaroid picture made into a CD cover. Exactly. And it's always black and white and uh, using these old English fonts of a, a guy in corpse paint, which we mentioned a couple weeks ago. But just to remind you, corpse paint is that paint that, uh, you know, people like King Diamond or even easier, Kiss. Kiss is not corpse paint, but it's basically corpse paint. I mean, it's just black and white. Yeah, it's like it's like if corpse paint was like, I want to dress up like a kitty cat. <laughs> like that that video of the guy in corpse paint where it, sh- it shows the dog that looks like he's wearing corpse paint and then it pans over to the guy wearing it and they're just locking eyes with each other. <laughs> it's really funny. But uh, Dead, the vocalist from uh, Mayhem, was credited as being the first guy to wear corpse paint. Yeah. So was this was this before King Diamond? No, I think it was after King Diamond because King Diamond was like uh, Merciful Fate was in like 1983 or something like that around that time. Maybe the guys in Norway didn't weren't aware. I mean, no, they were definitely aware of of King Diamond and, and Merciful Fate. That was the, that was their influence. They were definitely aware of stuff like Venom uh, because in the record shop that they end up uh, opening called Helveta, which means hell in Norwegian. Um, they had Venom uh, records all over the wall. They had Venom memorabilia, all that kind of stuff. So I I can't help but think that they definitely knew who King Diamond was. They they definitely did. I mean, because we talked about last time how a lot of uh, his his version of Satanism was different from theirs, and like they they didn't like that part of him. But they but the music was was a big inspiration, especially his vocals. But I think a big difference is a lot of them Dead's corpse paint was like in their mind it was the first time it was real right they were like he actually is doing this and we'll get to that but he like this is the first time that it actually is real corpse paint i think we missed an opportunity here and i'm just gonna roll us back we have mentioned our first pseudonym dead so dead as dave mentioned was one of the singers of mayhem and one of the most notable singers he's one uh in later years like top metal vocalist, all those kinds of things, or best uh, front man of a metal band, all that kind of stuff. But I missed my opportunity. I'm going to attempt now to say his um, birth name, I suppose, is what we'll call it. You know what? You know what's funny about this is that we're not going to know if you nailed it or if you didn't. So I'm just going to celebrate like you did. Yeah, I, I, I like that positivity. So Dead was born Per Ingve Oilen. I know that last name is right because a lot of people said his first name or first two names like smashed together. And I was like, I, I didn't hear that, but I heard Oilin. So that is Dead's name. But why is that his pseudonym? Tell us, tell us why that's his pseudonym because it's the, it's, it's the best. I don't think I know why that's what? his pseudonym. I think it wasn't it his pseudonym before his, uh, before the, he, his death. His tragic demise. His tragic demise. I was going to say it has to be, right? Because that would be... He he believed he was dead. He genuinely believed that he was a dead person. 
He, they believe that he suffered from something called Cotard syndrome. This is after the fact. And Cotard syndrome is a mental disorder where you're, that you actually believe you are a walking corpse. Um, and there have been, there have been other murderers and other people who have had this same, um, this same disorder. Uh, but people, but now they believe he had that, but he genuinely believed he was, he was dead. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can see in all the drawings that they show in that documentary of his, that, that they're like really dark and he seemed like a dark person. Yeah. He was known as a really dark guy. And a lot of people said, oh yeah, they're not shocked what happened to him. Uh, but on the other side, in, in the book I was reading about this whole scene, they did mention that, hey, a lot of his friends did say, oh, he had a, a good sense of humor. He just didn't yeah. show it to everyone because he was a really shut-off person. But then, as Hagen was talking about, uh, he also he was an avid diary keeper, and uh, he would say things about how, like, oh, yeah, he had died a couple times and like yeah. had... Uh, basically gone through the astral planes and some girl had explained it to him once at a party that basically the astral planes were like different colors and that if you ever get to the white color you can't come back and he said i saw the white color but didn't go quite into it and he's like yeah so like you go to blue all that kind of stuff so he was fascinated with that kind of stuff it's like a it ultimately sounds like it ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy I mean, we're dancing around it. We might as well. Should we just say what happened, or? Well, let's get into uh, his uh, lot him at live shows because I think what Dead did for the scene is not only was he this you know pretty fascinating front person. I mean, it, by the way, uh, I know most people have seen a picture of the two people in corpse makeup. The two people in that are Dead and Euronymous, who is another character who I will say real quick. Oystein Arseth, I think that's right. Um, but those are the two people in those pictures. And when we're talking about Dead's contribution to everything, and everyone talks about him even after his death, the people still talk to him, talk about him to this day who were in that scene. And uh, the big things he contributed was corpse paint, as Dave said. But then on top of that was this extremism in live shows. I mean, he was doing really brutal stuff. And I'm not talking about how we mentioned uh, in a couple, the episode a couple of weeks ago, you know, bringing, you know, pigs up on stage and animals and blood. Like he was bringing knives on stage and cutting himself, which is just like, you know, self-harm is its own beast, but like doing it on stage for the sake of being brutal and there was always these um much of like a gg allen always these rumors of like he was going to kill himself on stage that kind of stuff yeah i was gonna bring up gg allen because i i don't know the timeline of of all of this stuff happening but another thing to remember is that there wasn't a lot of i mean they had magazines and magazine coverage but there clearly wasn't any social media or anything that would connect different continents as easily as you know we can now yeah and they and they weren't playing like to like you know i mean they were playing like you know decently sized shows but it wasn't anything that was like crazy i mean they're like you know there there are stories of some of their shows where it's like 50 people and he's like cutting himself in front of 50 people um which is like you know you could either you could either think of that as like oh my god this guy's you know being dramatic or i mean i, I think i think there's a really good chance that he did suffer from cotard syndrome and he truly did believe he was dead and he was this kind of like tortured soul who just like didn't know how to act otherwise but he definitely was insane in his own right 
so Mayhem and a lot of these bands who were uh, coming up at the same time, they were, Mayhem was, you know, one of the most notable. I think like the two most notable at the time were Mayhem and Burzum, and then you could also throw Dark Throne in there. But Mayhem only played really, you know, a handful of shows each year, if even that. So their shows were always notorious. And even to this day, they were notorious because people were like, man, uh, people will say, oh, I saw dead or I saw dead in the 90s. And that's just like, that's a huge like badge of honor in the scene for them, which is, you know, interesting. And you can do a whole analysis of that. But that's one thing that I think when people talk about this with hindsight, it's really, you need to pinpoint that, that these bands weren't these massive touring bands that we know about today. They weren't doing that. Maybe they did these tiny European tours that almost always ended up failing. So they would get a couple cities in and then just come home. But, you know, and then as Dave was saying, there really wasn't social media at the time. They did have magazines, stuff like Kerrang, which we'll come into later. But a big thing was they did have fan zines. Uh, zines were a huge thing. So between Norway and Sweden, that's kind of what cultivated this whole black metal scene in Scandinavia was fan scenes. So while they didn't have what we have today, what they did have really cultivated a crowd. So with that, we can kind of get into what will end what I'm calling the early days. Uh, in April 1991, dead was found dead. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it, 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 there's we, we, no way of saying that without getting some chuckles. Yeah, but I hope you wrote it down like that in your notes. Well, I had a, I had a good idea that you were going to say something along those lines, and I was like, don't laugh at that. Yeah, and the reason why they're saying don't laugh is so he was found dead by his own hand. He had committed suicide. He had, uh, I believe, slit his wrist and then shot himself with a shotgun in the face. And unfortunately, there are photos of it. And why are there photos of it? Because he was in Mayhem at the time. And a lot of the guys in Mayhem, including the founding member Euronymous, lived together. So Dead and Euronymous lived together in this house kind of out in the forest. Because when you're in Norway, of course, you live out in the forest. But uh, Euronymous was apparently out of town at the time. And he came home, couldn't find his key, couldn't get in the door. And the only... Uh, place that was open in the house was Dead's window. So he climbed into Dead's window and he found Dead's body. And the first thing he did was try to find his camera and he took photos of Dead's body. And then on top of that, this is where it kind of gets into speculative uh, territory, but people say it's true. Some people say it's just exaggeration. You really don't know when we're talking about something 30 years removed. But According to people in the scene, Euronymous took pieces of dead skull, uh, his skull fragments, and made jewelry for the band members of Mayhem to wear. You like and, made them in necklaces, right? Correct. And apparently they all had them. And then on top of that, there are also rumors that he took some uh, pieces of uh, dead's brain to cook into a stew just so he could say he was a cannibal because he thought that would be brutal. That one's a little less likely, but the fact that they're having these rumors circulate says something about the scene itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that something to be said about, I mean, 
Dead's impact on the scene was true brutality in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, a lot of what they were doing, I mean, they sure, a lot of them were into some brutal things, but, I mean, Dead was the one who went up and did it. And and uh, I mean, like he uh, he he would not just cut himself on stage, but he would uh, he would bury his clothes before set so he could smell like the dead, so the clothes would rot. He even asked to be buried alive before a show, so that way he could have actually like seemed like he was dead. And they said no. And I mean, I'm, of course they said no because like duh, of course you'd say no if any if, if any of us were like, hey, uh, will you bury me alive before this podcast recording? I just want to feel a little bit more dead before we record this. We all of us would be like, no, we're not. Why the fuck would we do that? But he dead wanted to do that. I mean, he left this impact, and of course, Euronymous is like, I I I want to be as intense as as him. I how do I do that? How do I do well, that? In addition to just taking photos, he apparently like rearranged his body around the room and stuff like tampered is, with evidence yeah <laughs> but the other thing to keep in mind is that he was 22 years old at the time that he died and so like not not to just downplay this whole thing and blow the fish out of the water but these you know they chalk it up to maybe a lot of angst and really being into you know these kids tapping into their uh, angsty emotions and acting on it I mean, this is really brutal. It's really brutal, and suicide is not a joke. But uh, if he actually had the disorder, then I think that he might be the only character in this story that is one of the only characters that is truly in the black metal uh, mindset. <laughs> and I think his influence on Euronymous was like, like Hagen said, he did take a lot of, he was like, I need to, I need to carry this on. But we'll see, as we'll see, he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm not advocating anyone go out and search this, but uh, just FYI, there ended up being a live bootleg album called Dawn of the Black Hearts by Mayhem that ended up using Dead Suicide photo as the live album. Once again, it, it's an upsetting photo, and I remember looking at it as a kid, and you know, it is imprinted in my brain, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember hearing about that in high school, and even when we, when I watched the documentary, I was like, oof. Man, that is so insane. It's brutal, and it even to this day, um, Necro Butcher, who's the basis for Mayhem and was the basis for Mayhem at the time, you know, he still, you know, has this kind of personality of like black metal, but he does talk about, oh, I won't read Lords of Chaos because that asshole who wrote that book put my best friend's suicide photo in there, and that is terrible. And so that is something to keep in mind that I, I do think a lot of the things about black metal in this scene, especially this 90s Norwegian scene, it, it has a handful of characters that really paint it, but it's not 100% of it. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it, w- it wouldn't be sustainable. Yeah. With that, we find ourselves out of the early days and into summer 1991. Again, I don't know where you want to put yourself. Uh, yeah, we can, we can, we can, we can do, we can do our first one. We can do our first one now. Um, uh, let's, uh, Adam, you're gonna go first. Our game today, as we know, is uh, all of these black metal musicians. They have all these pseudonyms. They have their own names, such as Dead, right? And we're we know Euronymous. Um, 
So we're going to get our own today. We're going to make our oh, own. Yes. We're going to get our own names. Now, it's really important because a lot of these names come from uh, Norse mythology. A lot of it is 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 based within uh, uh, Norse myth and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Dead, obviously, is not one of those names. And some of the names uh, kind of fall out of that. But we're going to use kind of that as a basis. So um, I'm going to ask you some questions, Adam. You're going to go first. And um, from there, we'll give you your uh, black metal name. You mean All it's right, not you just ready? not album? I was going to say it's for sure album. You know what's really funny is that there is uh, like a, a, Nor- a Norse name that's Selby. Oh. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm I'm gonna use uh, first our, the first letter of, of our first names to help us with this. Um, but first, Adam, I'm gonna ask you uh, pick pick Norse mythology, Swedish, Danish, or Norwegian. Pick one of those options. I'll stick with Norse. Norse mythology, great. Yeah. That's very very helpful. All right, now um, let's see. Oh man, the questions that I can get from that are pretty limited. I like this um, game. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll expand it a little bit. Um, pick uh, pick God, elf, or husband. <laughs> it's got to be husband. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right, then then you are Alvis, a dwarf, Alvis. a dwarf who has to marry Thor's daughter Thrud. <laughs> Not a great name. Right. <laughs> now you can call your wife Thrud, and she'll be like, "What?" <laughs> she doesn't listen to this, so she won't. Yeah, know. she'll she'll definitely still be like, "Why are you calling me Thrud? <laughs> That's not a pretty name." Yeah, what what Marvel movie is that from? <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't watch this week's WandaVision. What what happened? Is that a new character? All right, Alvis. I know you've been dying to know what gets us into. The summer of 1991. This section I'm going to just call the Norwegian Black Circle. So the reason why I called it that, that is what this crew that ended up hanging out at the record shop that I mentioned before, Helveta, was called. Which which stands for hell. It's hell in Swedish, right? It's a little on the nose. I think I said Norwegian earlier, but it's Uh, one of those. It's one or the other. And Euronymous was the, he opened the shop. Yes, I think a lot of the a lot of those guys lived in like you know some of them slept behind the counter and Dead had his own little spot in the ceiling or some cutout in the wall where he just was very reclusive. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Euronymous's parents paid for it to be made. It's like to, to pay no, for no, it in the first place. That's not metal, Hagen. He didn't pay. They didn't pay for it. You guys are okay. really blowing up my spot. My two things I was going to end this episode with was that they're all very young. And then that they all really came from upper to middle class backgrounds in Norway. I mean, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense because this is all really on the nose and like trying to seem like you know, Dave said it's very teenage angsty overboard on some of this stuff. Alvis, respect where you come from, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the record shop was open almost single handedly with a little bit of help from his parents. By Euronymous. <laughs> it was Helveta. It was in Oslo. And it really just beca- kind of became the mecca of black metal, the Norwegian black metal scene. And it was the I hang. was talking about earlier how people would show up uh, in studs uh, to kind of, you know, 
they were trying to be brutal and they would show up to this shop where, you know, you had the likes of Mayhem, Dark Throne, and Emperor, all those guys just hanging out. And think of it like think of it like a bunch of kids uh in like Bam Margera gear showing up to a skate shop and being like, We want to hang out with you guys. It's like you're not metal enough. <laughs> so they would they would those guys would talk about like how do you like your cornflakes and like try to totally throw them off the scent because they just wanted nothing to do with them yeah so uh, this place was they had the basement where a lot of those photos again that you know of were taken in the basement of this record shop and also it was notoriously a huge space and what Euronymous basically did because he wasn't a good business person he was almost always treading water in any of his ventures. But what he did is rented a space that was way too big for him. So he only was using about half of the actual, um, you know, store space. And he basically walled off the other half. And that's where people would hang out in the back. And then the front was all, and you can see pictures of this is actually pretty interesting. Um, It's all black. And as I said, they had venom, on the wall, uh, the band, they had vinyls, like picture discs, and then they had like, uh, like, like weapons. Swords. Yeah. Swords it, and helmets and things like that. It looks like if Medieval Times had a record store in the gift shop. <laughs> That's, That's basically exactly. it. So this kind of became their little, uh, the center of where everyone would meet, and they were later named the Norwegian Black Circle. And it, it kind of makes them seem a lot more organized than they were. But on top of that, Euronymous ended up opening up his own record label, which was called Death Like Silence or Death Like Silence Productions, DSP. It's called a bunch of different things, but it was only uh, from 1987 to 1994. I wonder what happens in 1994. But <laughs> the most notable releases, it has, you know. Did they, a, did they, did they go bankrupt? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay. There's like 10 uh, releases that they had, but the, the two, or the biggest ones, the most notable ones, are the two Bur- two first Burzum albums, and then you have Mayhem's Death Crush, and then Mayhem's first debut album, uh, which I will not try to pronounce. <laughs> is it, are, we, are we talking about Burzum now? Are we in this? We're talking about Burzum. What is Burzum? Who is Burzum? A piece of shit. <laughs> a giant, a giant heaping pile of garbage who deserves yes. nothing but pain. Uh, Fuck he, him. Burzum is also known as Varg. Oh, Jackson, go ahead. It's Varg Vikernes. I, I was going to say Vikernes. And here's here's the hilarious thing about Varg Vikernes is this guy... Uh, all the things you've heard about black metal, they come from Varg. And for better or for worse, because he is the complete, you know, anti-hero to some and complete asshole to everyone who has uh, common sense. And when I say anti-hero to those who were actually in the scene, because people who are in the scene talk about, oh, he's the reason why we imploded, but then he's also like, he's the reason why we did so well and did some of the things we did. So he's this super big, like, pompous dude. There's very few photos of him uh, in the corpse makeup, so he kind of always was doing his own thing. 
but he was known as the guy who did Burzum, and Burzum was just Varg, whereas all the other bands were multiple people. Burzum was only Varg. He was a guitar player in Mayhem for about a year, and refer- referred to um, Euronymous as like the the head of the black metal mafia. He wanted to be like you know with his record shop and all the central, like the central hangout grounds. And I just. W- Want to go ahead and before we move too far into Varg Vakirin as Count Grishnak, he is the definition of an unreliable narrator. So anything we say and you'd be like, hey, it sounds like uh, Alvis and Jackson didn't do their research. Well, we did. It's just the guy is constantly contradicting himself. Do you guys ever like in your research like reading about especially like Varg's like bullshit did you ever like think like man these guys are a bunch of fucking nerds what the fuck they're just Absolutely. so yeah. fucking you know, like i i'm like I, we're nerds i'll go ahead and i'll go ahead and speak for all of us here we're nerds but wow we didn't use our nerdiness to think we were fucking better than everybody else and do some like make problematic shit we also don't think that you know we need to do things to seem like we're cooler than we are because our parents are paying for things. And none of us named ourselves the Count or Count Grishnak or other names. Yeah, Dave actually did. Sorry. <laughs> I did. Yeah. My name is Count Dave Noff. <laughs> to, to his credit, he did later admit that that was very egotistical of him and kind of was like, I wish I didn't name myself that. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad that he grew up at some point yeah yeah was that was that before or after he wrote a bunch of books just like i like idealizing his beliefs and how he believes things i mean like this guy's a this guy is a giant piece of shit so his his whole thing was that he thought that he felt like um like christianity was taking over the norwegian culture and was washing away the history of of you know that whole history and said that that was the problem and wanted to prove a point. And he was just like, if they don't respect us, why should we respect the Christians? And so he's been described as the Charles Manson of Norway. And I think it's really accurate. And here's the really like the sad part about it. When you watch interviews with him in movies, or he used to have a YouTube channel before, YouTube actually started bringing people down for yeah, anti-Semitism and stuff like that. But uh, he is just super charismatic and it sucks. And just like Charles Manson was. So you can kind of understand why uh, people would listen to it. Because here, here's how it would go. is He would just start talking about something. He would talk about something he knew people cared about, like the black metal scene. And then he'd immediately throw something extremely homophobic or racist and and it it's just terrible listening to him but i do want to before we get into the next session section just say something really funny so his name is not varg vikirnez he was born guess what his first name was does anybody know it i have it in front of me so i'm not going to play the game yeah i don't know it it's christian So with that, great. we'll go straight into our next section. That's so Hagen, funny. I think now is a good time to give somebody else a name. Sure, sure. Um, Jackson, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, I'll take Danish. Uh, hold on, I don't. I have to. I have to give you your options specifically for your name. 
What the hell? I have to. Yeah, you can't have that option. Uh, Sorry, I think what I, the hell, Veta? I think I also have to use your last name. Yeah, there's like no J name, so I have to use R uh, as the. What? Basis. There's no Jorg or Jans. Uh, there, there's there's some, but it's it's pretty limited. So uh, I'm 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 going with I'm going with R, and um, I'm all, I'm the, the you know gender is irrelevant. I'm just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and uh, go with any of it. So what were you going with again? Which uh, which I was background? gonna say Danish if that's still a choice. Danish is indeed a choice. I love um, a good you, Danish. You you actually that 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 narrows it down. Your name is uh, Randy. It means beautiful advice. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm I feel like I got names... the short end of the stick here. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you got presented options really. Wait, is Randy with an I? It's with an I, yeah. He he oh. a, he asked for Danish. That's the only Danish option with an R. Let me double check. At least that I can find. This is like I mean I'm sure there's other names, but I I just have one list pulled up. That is uh, that's the only Danish one that I could find that is uh, any way related to 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 Norse or Nordic or Vikings. So I Randy. am going to spell it like R A with an umlaut over it. The little rune that looks like an N, a D, and then an I. It doesn't have any of that, but um, <laughs> no, it does. That's, that's mine. It's totally. That's totally. Yeah, that's fine. You can. Yeah, actually, go ahead because uh, uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the thing with the culture of naming yourself is you got to name yourself. You got to use. I mean, the big one was that uh, people people used Odin a lot, and people would say like Voden and Woden, and it depended on how you wanted to pronounce it and what your belief system was. Yeah, totally. Um, so, <laughs> so you you have every right to take this name and 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 flip it on its head. So with all that, Jackson, how do you want to pronounce it? Uh, I, I like Randy. Or if you could do like the John Travolta from Greece and say, Randy, if Randy. you put, if you put the umlaut on it, it's not Randy. <laughs> well, it is if you're American. Exactly. So. Oh, right. Okay. Cool, it's also cool, cool, cool. not Hagen. Everyone's name. <laughs> you say Adam, what was also, your name again? You say it's not Hagen. I did. Ah, uh, fuck what? you. <laughs> Adam, what's your what's your black metal name again? I already forgot. Albus. I didn't write it down. Albus. I'm writing him down. That's close. Is yeah, that a name it. from Harry Potter? Albus is Harry Potter. Alvis is Adam. And oh. as I said, there's going to be some transphobia in here. We're talking about Harry Potter now. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, so into where things start to heat up in our story, puns intended, from 1992 to 1995, what most of you might know is the church burnings. So it's pretty important to keep Varg Vikernes in your mind. You can kind of push him a little bit to the back of your mind, but just remember he's there. Maybe he's throwing a match or two. But for the four years that we're referring to here, 44 churches were burned and they were that were tied to this Norwegian black circle or really just black metal. There were some in Sweden as well, but uh, 44 total, and the number is likely higher. Most notably, uh, the church that was burnt that a lot of people, there's a lot of pictures of it, is the Fantoft Stave Church, which if you don't know Stave Churches, there are those wooden medieval churches, and there are only 31 original medieval era Stave Churches still standing. And regardless of how you feel about any type of organized religion or anything like that is very sad to see these pieces of architecture and history just burn. 
And so as the veil is not even there, uh, we know that it was this Norwegian black circle who, um, in the news when it came out, kind of gave them this really organized look. But we're going to take it a bit back to before anyone in these countries even was able to put it two and two together that it was them. So for about four years, as I said, these guys were just going around just burning churches in the middle of the night, and there was really no uh, connection to them, which also can kind of show you, hey, this scene was not as big as it is now. These things that we're talking about from here to the end of the episode is what made this scene huge. So really, at of course, what they were doing was uh, being very anti-Christian, but as Varg being the unreliable narrator that he is at the time when discussing it with people, it was very anti-Christian because Satanism. And their idea of Satanism wasn't this, you know... Uh, this uh, individualism or just trying to be anything like that. It was very much anti-Christian or what is the most evil thing that they could think of. And for them, evil was the opposite of good, meaning anything that society said was good, i.e. Christianity, they were going to be the opposite. So there was even this, like they would say really just terrible things just because they interpreted them as being the opposite of what was good. And later on, he he went on to say that he he gave this whole spiel about like the the Norse mythology or whatever getting washed out and Christianity taking over and saying that he wanted to burn a church to wake people up to make them realize what's going on. It was sort of a um, a stunt, if you will. That's why he did it. Fucking sheeple, dude. I mean, <laughs> the, the the yeah. The thing is, is that the belief system between uh or for for a lot of this black metal scene is such this such this of like almost medieval style Satanism, where it's like kind of worshiping Satan. There were moments of like satanic prac like like uh, uh um worships uh and uh, I don't know if they did any sacrifices, but there were moments of that. And then it was also this preservation of of the Norse way and Norse mythology, and that's why they used a lot of these names. And it was like this this weird mixture of like, I'm going to use the villain from, like I'm going to use the villain basically from Christianity, Satan, and I'm going to use our roots to say fuck you to Christianity, and we're going to just start burning churches down. Um, but like Jackson said, it was the, it was, it was not organized. It was like, it was the last thing. That was the last thing it could be as organized. And so as I was mentioning no one knew who was burning these churches. At first, they thought the first church burning was just some type of accident. And if anything, they were trying to, uh, a lot of the Norwegian media was not trying to push forward that this could be an organized thing because they didn't want to give it credence, anything like that. So really, for a while, they had no way of knowing what happened. So I'm Jumping forward a little bit, but let's say there's going to be a little bit of a tease uh, towards uh, the next section in this last point that I have on these church burnings. So, as I said, no one knew what was going on and couldn't really figure out who it was until two articles came out. One was in the Bergen's 
tended to denda. There's a difficult one for you. And, <laughs> and uh, the Kerrang article. So Kerrang was one of the biggest news publications at the time for. You had no uh, problem saying music. that one. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Uh, for that, that was a big uh, Western um, music uh, magazine. So it went from the obviously the Bergens to Dinda is uh, and, that's the Norwegian one, and then the other one brought it kind of worldwide. So what this article was, both of them were interviews with none other than Varg Vikernes and what he essentially does in them, and you can read them in their entirety. I've read them both, and it's fascinating what an absolute dumbass this guy is because what he does here, in the first one, in the Norwegian article, he's he's kind of alluding towards, oh, I know who did this. It was the Norwegian Black Circle. Oh, and I also know... Uh, about this guy, uh, I know uh, who murdered that guy in Lilyhammer. So he's really throwing everyone under the bus because he wanted the uh, black metal scene to have this real credence. And at the same time, Euronymous is just kind of like, you know what? Anything that'll kind of bring uh, notoriety to this. Uh, he, I don't even think he really thought of it as a movement. I, a lot of the stuff with Euronymous is exactly what you would expect from something like this. Much like a Kurt Cobain, where Kurt Cobain would say things that are very, you know, anti-establishment, but he wasn't truly that. He was just saying it to be, uh, you know, out there, whatever you want to say. Right, um, yeah. And that's how Euronymous was, whereas Varg was very much, okay, Euronymous, you say you want to burn churches, why don't you come with us tonight? Euronymous would come along, and maybe he didn't like the fire, but he would just kind of be there because he was kind of getting pushed. Yeah, Varg was saying that he would just be like, okay, do it. And then uh, later on, like kids would come in and be like, we're going to go burn a church. And he's like, all right, go do it and tell me how it goes. <laughs> like he didn't do anything. Um, you know, almost like, kind of like, he's almost like a Marilyn Manson or a Marilyn, who am I thinking of? Charles Manson figure. Yeah. Close enough. I got there. Yeah, because I mean, the 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 key difference with with him and Charles Manson would be that Charles Manson uh, was was really uh, dumb. I mean, Varg Vikernes is, is dumb too, but it's a different kind of dumb. Uh, Charles Manson was just super dumb and actually had no plans for anything and was just kind of like there. And then when it like when someone who followed him like started murdering, he was like, yeah, yeah, uh, let's um. Would you guys go do that some more? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How about how about do mm-hmm. more of that? Oh my god, you actually did it? All right, I didn't think you'd do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go do more. Yeah, and 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 with with Varg, it was sorry with the Count. Um, it, it it felt like there was a lot more true belief behind it, and there's a lot more true intent. Even if he wasn't there for every church burning or every everything that happened, I mean, his his face, his belief system, a lot of it is behind what happened. Um, and he's a giant piece of shit like Charles Manson. I guess that's fair. Yeah, it, there's definitely, you can start to see something snowballing where Dead commits suicide and he's involved in this scene and then Varg is burning churches. So this mythology that you hear about these days is this is where it's coming from. It's starting to snowball and stuff is starting to happen. Yeah, and with that, we have the Norwegian article that came out and then Kerrang! releases just this complete expose of like Satanism and the Norwegian black metal scene 
which completely takes this underground movement and gives it this world stage, which both works for and against them. And with that, somebody needs a black metal name. Well, I also before we move before before I do that, I want to also mention about the church burnings. So yeah, it, it's at forty four, right, Jackson? Um, so that it's it's likely more. Yeah. So the thing the thing I have pulled up is that it's forty five to sixty something between there. Yeah, um, have at but, least fifty. So here's the interesting thing though, is that um, that is uh, approximately over a third of the uh of the church burnings that happened in Norway at the time. So, there were church, there were two thirds more of that church burnings uh in Norway that weren't related to black metal. That's pretty <laughs> fucking weird. That is bizarre as fuck. But in the way that counterculture counterculture is squashed by media, uh all the media at that time just blamed it all on the black metal people. Well, and I mean it got to America with the Kerrang article, but I mean, the satanic panic was massive in the nineties in America. That was, that was such a huge thing. So it's got such I'm, a nice ring to it. Satanic panic's great. I will say that if anybody chooses to do the further reading that I did and reads Lords of chaos, uh, there is a whole chapter talking about why arsonists do what they do. And yes, it does talk about the sexual component of it too. So that could be all yours. I forget the name of it because I'm a dum dum, but there is the there's the triad for serial killers, so they all fit the same three things, and one of them is is being obsessed with fire, and it's normal normally a sexual thrill. Um, so yeah, uh, black metal so names. Light them candles, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, Dave, we're gonna have to use um, F for you. Okay. Um, so uh, Norse mythology or Danish. Or Norwegian, I guess, just straight Norwegian. Uh, I'll go straight Norwegian. All right. For variety's um, sake. Are you sure? Because that means that it's you have one choice. Oh, okay. It's, well, then let's go uh, Norse. All right. Um, so, uh, would you like to be... Uh, actually, um, what's your favorite animal? Let's do that. What's your favorite animal? Uh, sea otter. Mm, that's pretty far off from a wolf. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, <would> wolf. You... <laughs> it's too late. It's far too late. Uh, right. So these last two options are actually the exact same. Their names are slightly different. I'm, uh, I, I, maybe they're like twins or brothers or something in Norse mythology. Um, All right, but I got a brother. There's there's Frey or or Freyre. Uh, so F R E Y or F R E Y R E. So you get to pick. Uh. Um, I'll go Freyra. Freyra. So you are the Norse god of fertility, sunlight, yes. and rain. Oh. That's sunlight a, that's and weird. rain? Yeah. Why fertility and then yeah, sunlight because, because and Because I then provide rain? sunlight and rain for the agriculture. I get to name Hagen after this because this sucks. You guys got cool <laughs> names. <laughs> Wait, I mean. You don't you like just, your name, Randy? <laughs> yeah. You don't like yours anymore? You had a choice, you know? You know, you know, like I, I, I actually, I actually, I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys the power as a group. You can name me for the next one. You guys get to name me. All right. I hope you have a lot of self-confidence. <laughs> um, I don't. Should we move on? <laughs> yes. Let's move on. As this scene has obviously just snowballed more and more, um, this last section that we kind of have talks about murder. So two murders are associated with this 90s Norwegian scene. 
So I'll start with the first one that happened, which was the murder of, and I'm going to butcher this man's name, and he does not have a made-up name. He is a victim of a horrible crime. Uh, Manga Andreasen. I, so, I think that's right. I think that's correct. So this man was walking in Lilyhammer Olympic Park, and he was just out drinking, and just it just so happens that Bard Uethen of Emperor was also out drinking at the same time. He went out the same night, went out to a bar, didn't like the vibe of it, had a drink, then started walking home. <laughs> He went out to the bar that he didn't like the vibe of. He was he was home visiting his mom. He went home to visit his mom, decided to go out for a drink, and was like, I don't like the vibe of this place. Pick one, buddy. Pick one. Yeah. And so he bumps into Munga, and uh, it just so happens that this man was gay and was hitting on Bard, and Bard claims that what happened was not a homophobic crime, but it definitely was because the things he said on top of the crime, it's just like, okay, you can't say it's not homophobic and then in the same sentence use all those slurs. Um, But what happened was Bard basically decided, oh, I want to kill someone. According to him, he had known that he wanted to do this for a long time Just, he never really, like, he said just when he knew, he knew, and he was going to do it. So, it was... One of his his bandmates said that he talked about wanting to know what it's like to kill someone. Yeah. Yeah, but didn't think he'd actually do it. Kind of a red flag. Yeah. So, what happened was he apparently had a very small knife, and Bard played into the fact that this man was hitting on him and walked him into the forest, uh... Apparently, there's a forested area right around Lilyhammer and um, proceeded to stab him and just, you know, stabbed him enough times that he killed him. And 37. Yeah, it was a lot. He, apparently, it was a very small knife, so he was covered in blood, walked all the way home covered in blood, and then uh, washed off his clothes, and he said that he, that night he was for sure someone was going to come get him by the next day that he was just ready to go to jail. But then as the days went on, nothing happened. And then I think it was like four days later or something like that. uh, Somebody just an innocent bystander found the body and that's it. No, no ties. They couldn't figure out who it was for a long time. Hagen, would you know when DNA evidence became a thing? This, it would be there. Uh, the problem, well, the, the, the issue is, is that, uh, I mean, if, if you're stabbing someone, uh, you know, in the right ways, then nothing's really going to come of it. Um, and he could have had gloves on. I don't know if that's the case. You could also just simply blame bad police work. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on at the time. Uh, so this probably wasn't on the top of their list to solve. And, um, I mean, I, 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 I would be faster to blame police work than I would to, like, you know, say that he didn't fuck up. Um, yeah, but it is crazy that churches he didn't. were more a priority for the police. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it, there, there, there's other stuff going on. I mean, Nor- Norway has a lot of it's it's a pretty murdery place. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, 
but but again, <laughs> hey, how do you like living in Norway? I don't know. I mean, the weather's nice sometimes. There's seasons, but it's pretty murdery. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things where uh, you sometimes just crimes just don't get solved for whatever reason. Um, and I would I, again, I, I would say that it's it it could be like quote unquote bad police work. It also it could just be that it like the it got shoved underneath some other shit. Or just luck, or plain luck. The murder happened on August 21st of 1992, and he was not sentenced until 1994. And that's because I, I think he is quoted as saying that he went basically a full year without being caught, and that he was just sure that oh, at that point, he went from thinking, yep, I'm for sure going to jail, I'm just ready for it, to, okay, I guess uh, I got away with it. And um, he has claimed that he feels no remorse and that, uh, when talking about it in the nineties, he was just said, uh, quoted as saying, I was just outside and just waiting to get some aggression out, which is a horrible thing to say. Yeah. It's, it's like, and he was released in 2003 on good behavior. Uh, well that's also, again, that is actually an issue of Norway because their sentencing is fucked up. Oh, we'll get into that. We're going to get into what we like to call Norwegian baby jail. It's fucked up. It's really fucking (laughs) wrong. So that happened in August 1992. And remember that Norwegian article I butchered the name of? That doesn't come out till 1993, where uh, a certain The Count alludes to knowing who did the murder of the guy in the park. So from there... We kind of move on. There's a year of church burnings. There's this murder. And then tensions are kind of rising, as we mentioned, between Euronymous was kind of the uh, the godfather of this. The mafioso. Uh, exactly. Of this scene. <laughs> Is that the word? And he's, he's so bad at it. He's yeah, so bad horrible. at being in charge of this. He's a terrible businessman. He's not organized. He shouldn't have any of this. Now, I, I, I have to I have to quickly... So, he, you know, he, there's growing tensions between him and Varg, but there's growing tensions between Euronymous and, and other people as well, including some Swedish bands that are on his label. His These Swedish bands weren't getting their royalty money, and this was an issue also with Varg that I'm sure you'll talk about, Jackson, that they weren't... He, the, the royalty money wasn't working out. There was some issues there. And there was also an issue where Euronymous in an interview talked shit about these Swedish metal bands that were on his label, and they called he, he called these metal bands life metal. That was how he talked shit about these metal bands, was calling them life metal. Like, as opposed to death metal? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Sick burn, dude. Yeah, really, really showing them. Euronymous with the top shelf uh, jokes. <laughs> So Life with that metal. rising tension, we have Euronymous and, you know, kind of this, not necessarily a figurehead. I mean, he was, you know, leading the charge of this scene, but he wasn't out there, you know, murdering people. He wasn't yeah, out all, there. All talk, no action. Exactly. Where then you have on the opposite side of the same coin is Varg, a member of another pretty formative band that people knew at the time, Burzum actually out there doing these things that they are, you know, up until that point had been lip service. And so there's this tension that's growing between them. And then Varg claims he gets, uh, catches wind that 
Euronymous is planning to murder him. And the reason he said that he believed this is because he said, oh, you know, Euronymous was this all talk guy and never really followed through with his things. But the reason why he believed this is because he had only told a few people that if he had told everyone in the record shop, he wouldn't have believed it. But he claims that Euronymous had only told a few people that he was planning on killing Varg and torturing him to make a videotape. That's not film. Yeah, he said he was going to. He uh, Varg heard that Euronymous wanted to like stun him, uh, take him to the woods, tie him up, and torture him until he died. You know, and it was told to him by a reliable source. No, 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 no. I'm sure it was, but also this is just like gossip. Like this yeah, is just this goss. is this is just these fucking nerds gossiping about each other. And I'm sure that, you know, that was a true thing that they heard, but they gossiped all the fucking time. This is great. <laughs> well, you got to keep in mind, you know, Euronymous is 25 at the time and Varg is 21 at this time. So right. they're kids and um what ends up happening is, you know, they had been corresponding through um, mail, Varg and Euronymous, about uh, Euronymous really wanted to re-sign Burzum to his label, and Varg wanted out because of the royalty payments. It wasn't getting uh, paid, and he wasn't sending out, uh, apparently Euronymous wasn't adequately sending out uh, Burzum CDs, advanced copies to his fans who had ordered them. So Varg seizes this opportunity and tells um, Euronymous, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to resign with you guys. And basically, or no, sorry, he tells him that he is uh, wanting out and he basically just needs him to sign a contract. And it kind of ends there. But what happens is Varg hears these rumors, whether or not he actually hears them is up to debate because Varg's the only one who's saying that. Yeah, really. he's he said that he heard them, and then and then he was like, "All right, well, let's let's go take care of this. Like, we're gonna I'm gonna drive through the night. We're gonna go to Euronymous's house. Then I'm gonna bring him this. I'm gonna sign this contract." Yeah. So he drives from Bergen, which is an eight hour drive to Oslo. He drives there with a member of Mayhem at the time, by the way, uh, and they drive there, and Varg shows up. Uh, to Euronymous's apartment building and there's a buzzer and Euronymous apparently sounds kind of like hey no like not right now and yeah like he just woke him up yeah exactly and Varg convinces him to let him in and so he gets up there and when uh, Euronymous opens the door he's in his underwear as if he had just woken up like it's in the middle of the night completely defenseless basically what happens according to Varg, this is where things get a little sketchy, but we know how it ends. According to Varg, he, Euronymous kicked Varg in the chest and made him fall backwards. So Because, because Varg went to hand him, went to reach for the contract. Yep. And Euronymous thought that he was going to pull out a weapon or something like that. So Varg takes this as a full invitation for him to just go completely berserk on Euronymous and just starts attacking him. And as Euronymous is being attacked, 
Euronymous starts uh, is able to start making his way to his room, which Varg claimed that's where he kept the uh, his shotgun and his knives. And according to Varg, it was the same shotgun that dead killed himself because he's a flair for the dramatics. Guess what? There ended up not being any weapons in the room. So Varg the guy decides, just probably just wanted to put pants on. I mean, he fell like he knocked over a lamp and was covered in glass and blood and was in his underwear. He was probably just like, man, let me at least go put some pajamas on. So Varg claims, uh, in his mind, he said, okay, if he's going to have a weapon, I'm going to have a weapon. So he pulls out a knife and then just starts stabbing Euronymous before he can get to anything. Yeah. And so Euronymous at this point is able to make his way out of the apartment and runs through the hallway. It was a couple stories up. He's running through the hallway, banging on doors, yelling for help, uh, and basically makes it down the stairway and uh in the stairway basically uh Varg ends up just uh, you know attacking him and keeps stabbing him and basically kills him right in front of this other mayhem member and Varg says you know oh he didn't know whether or not there was going to be a fight with that guy too but the mayhem member just basically ran away and so he said he knew immediately he was good and then he walked outside. Well, no. Did he say he turned around and was like, "Are you good, man?" <laughs> As he yeah, was running away. Like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So Varg makes his way outside, calms down the mayhem member, and then they drive back to Bergen. Eight hours. The thing too is that he says that you know it's reported that he stabbed him twenty three times, and the thing that got him was that he stabbed him in the head with because it was a small blade knife, as far as Varg says. And Varg doesn't even mention that they got out of the room. He says that the other the other member of uh, Mayhem ran out of the room, and he doesn't mention stabbing him that many times. He just says, I stabbed him in the head, and that was it. And then he ran out of the... So again, the unreliable narrator thing. It's like It's still insane that he thought he was defending himself, and the reports are that he stabbed him 23 times. Like, d- no. defense up to no. a certain point... <laughs> That is that that is that is a, a a a thousand percent lie. That is that is in in no way is any of like, I I from all of the and I'm sure you'll get into it, Jackson. But for all the evidence that they looked at, uh, this was premeditated. Yeah, and he's like, he's you know he's got his motives. He's clearly mad at Euronymous for not, uh, not being the he's he's not. I don't know. He's all talk, no action. So basically. What Varg and his defense when it came to trial, because obviously they got to Varg, uh, when it it came to the trial, his that's when the story came out that, oh, well, Euronymous was going to kill me. That's what he used, was self-defense saying, he kicked me first, and then also I heard these rumors. What the defense had was, or sorry, I don't know if that's defense, I don't know my legal jargon, but what they said was... Premeditated, the premeditation was determined by the eight-hour drive, as well as other steps that Varg clearly took to create an alibi. He left a credit card with a friend to go use it at an ATM to pull out money while he was in Oslo to show, okay, well, I was here, so what are you talking about? And then also, they rented a movie that morning from, a, a, a let's say, a blockbuster and um, they rented a specific movie that they had all seen, so 
if they were questioned about it later by the police, they could very reliably repeat what happens in the movie. So what what movie do you think it was? Um, I, I would like to believe it was Willy Wonka. Freddy got fingered. Early 93, <laughs> remember, early 93. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka? I don't know what movie it is. You know, I just like to think about what, you know, what they they could have maybe, uh, you know, rented. As Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, Back to the Future. <laughs> maybe Was it that the 90s that... special editions of Star Wars on VHS? Maybe that... Maybe that like maybe that like animated Those version of yet. Lord of the Rings that was like super shitty that came out. I'm really glad you mentioned that we're all nerds already. <laughs> <laughs> in case it wasn't obvious. Yeah, so obvious. a really interesting thing to note is uh uh so he was caught pretty quick because he just left fingerprints all over the goddamn place. He didn't he, he like this was premeditated and he is this is a, a a real real testament to how dumb he is that he was like I'm going to kill Euronymous and I have this alibi and I have all this other stuff in place but I don't really give a fuck about anything else. I'm just going to leave my fingerprints. I'm going to leave uh everything else around here so you guys can catch me. Yeah. But but uh but that but so then that doesn't that that doesn't uh lead to the murder or the the, the capture of Faust. That's that hasn't happened yet. Do do you want to lead up to that? You sound like you're working it. Well, I can't remember the person's name who 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 gives it who gives him up. Do you remember the person's name? No. Cuz there so there was like there was a a a a young girl who was a member of the scene. And uh, she was basically interviewed, and she was like, I will not say who killed Euronymous, uh, but I will say that Faust killed this person that you were looking for for two years. And then they pulled in Faust and interviewed him, and they were, he was like, yeah, I did it. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yep. Whoa. And so just like that, you have Varg committing murder. You have these two huge articles come out around the same time. It's a very short period of time where this all happened and you know what ends up happening is most of the influential bands at the time were on hiatus except for dark throne uh they were all put on hiatus due to members being jailed for either arson or murder and that's kind of you know where the scene really starts to splinter and fracture because you have this Norwegian scene where it becomes, it was either you're pro Grishnak or you're pro Euronymous. And, you know, from there, it was already a small uh, underground scene. And then from there, it just became more and more splintered because, as I said, you know, not everyone was as ride or die like the, the big characters. And some people were just genuinely upset that people died. I know we're talking about a lot of different names. So, uh, Krishnak was was Varg, yes, <laughs> or Grishnak. Sorry, it was Count, Varg. Count. So you're either pro Varg or pro Euronymous. Yes. You, yeah, you're either you're either pro the Count or pro Oystein. Yes. Really, just 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 you know, just confuse. Just so let's, many let's names. Confuse it even more. We're like it's it's so confusing. It's just the names just make it so hard. Why why did Varg have to give himself so many fucking names? So <laughs> he knew, full it was, of himself. It was further premeditation of the murder. He knew he was going to do it. So he's like, let me confuse these people. Oh yeah, no, that was Count Grishnak who did that murder. That wasn't me. No 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 no. Count yeah, Grishnak been him. did that yeah. murder. Different guy. I'm Varg. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so last thing I really have 
is to discuss the sentencing because, of course, people were sentenced as these crimes were linked to the Norwegian Black Circle. And if you don't know about Norwegian Baby Jail, the maximum maximum sentencing in Norway is 21 years. So here is how it goes down. Does... uh, you know, I'm not going to make a game out of this. What ends up happening is Varg for the murder of Euronymous, and uh, I think he was tied to maybe two of the arsons. Four? Yeah. I think it was four. But he wasn't able, he wasn't tied to, according to him, he wasn't tied to all of the ones he did. But um, he got 21 years, which is very much making a point in Norway. They don't typically give out that 21 years. So it was very clear that they wanted to make a point out of him but to be honest if you watch the court footage dude's an asshole yeah he didn't give a fuck and he said he didn't give a fuck because he was yeah. like yeah the 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 judge wanted to be all high and mighty and be like you're getting 21 years and he was like i already knew i was gonna get 21 years and when she sentenced me i look at i looked at the audience he referred to the the people in the courtroom as he's like i looked at them and smiled and then it, in the documentary it cuts to the footage of him with pigtails just like looking over at the audience and smiling and you're like, you fucking asshole. Yeah, he's definitely not a lip service guy. Like what he says he did, he genuinely did. And yeah. very much it just contributes to the, he is the Charles Manson of Norway. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know how much they ended up serving. But Bard for the murder in Lilyhammer was sentenced to 14 years. And then... The rest of the assorted arsonists, which uh, I'm just not going to go through all the names, uh, were given between two to three years. So, Varg ended up serving 15 years of his 21-year sentence and was released in 2009. Bard was uh, released in 2003, having served nine years and four months. And yes, if you were curious, Bard did end up rejoining Emperor and a lot of people were really upset that, you know, they were playing all these European festival circuits, all that kind of stuff. So people were really upset that he was back in the band. Yeah. Again, with the names Bard is it was also known as Faust. And yes. he was the guy that killed the the man, the older man, and got away with it for two years. So Varg being released from Norwegian Baby Jail is not shocking. Uh Norwegian Baby Jail gives you internet. They give they he was able to record multiple Burzum albums. He was able to write very racist, just bigot bigoted books in uh you know, in jail. And then on top of that, he was able to uh create a political party, which technically he wasn't able to do. That is illegal for a felon to do in Norway. But the way he got around it was uh Basically, uh, I think this is kind of smart. I really can't tell. But the website at the time when the political party started, uh, the P.O. box was to the prison he was in. So you would think, oh, well, they would be able to tie that to Varg. But they were able to get away with it because he said, well, you guys are opening and reading all of the letters that they're sending to me, right? And they said, yeah, well... Is there anything that completely ties me to this? And they're like, well, no. And he's like, then I'm not the one who created it. It just so happens that I'm affiliated with it. I don't know if that's smart or not. 
I, I think it's just I like Hagen was mentioning before, he's not a man with a plan, so I think it's just dumb luck. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely not smart because I was reading about he changed his legal name after he got out, but still goes by his actual name. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. what good does that do? Yeah, he's I mean he can buy a car <laughs> work at Luckily, McDonald's. Well you can't watch his videos anymore, but once he got out of prison, he moved in with his I believe wife, uh, they moved to France and they were arrested for uh, like uh, white supremacy charges for a bit, but then they were released on that. Uh, but luckily YouTube brought, brought down all their content and uh, you used to be able to watch him do his Nazi karate in his backyard and tell stories about the black metal scene. But other than that, uh, really the remnants of this scene are you still have Dark Throne around today. Mayhem. Uh, Mayhem plays. Uh, I saw Mayhem in 2015, I think. And, um, you know, Burzum, I think, released an album this year. Do not listen to it. That dude is a piece of shit. Don't support him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you got Immortal. They're still around. Emperor doesn't have the the murderer drummer anymore. Yeah, um the the guy who is the face of Dark Throne is what's his name like Fernes or Fernes? Fenris. Fenris. Um yeah, he just kind of washed his hands of the whole thing and didn't actually participate in any of the church burnings and stuff like that. So Varg was like, "Yeah, he's a good guy. He uh didn't say he was going to do it and then not do it. He just didn't do anything." And then this guy is like, you know, still has a viable career and there's great footage of him getting stopped on a train uh, where they, they just, he looks weird. So they stop him and he's like, they got the tear gas, but they didn't, they didn't search my ass. <laughs> <laughs> they put the gloves on to, uh, to search your butt to intimidate you, but they never actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a great scene. And then they like, he's putting his, it showed, they, they, sorry, I was still talking about this, but it's really funny. They, they show him putting his bags back up on the thing in his seat, and as he puts his bags up, he just turns and takes a big old whiff of his armpit, and I'm like, that's fucking metal, bro. <laughs> <laughs> fucking disgusting. I do remember watching that do- documentary, Until the Light Takes Us, and like as a kid, I was like, man, these guys are so brutal, and then now I watch yeah. it as an adult, and I'm just like, this guy's an asshole. Cheesy. There's there's one scene where he's like doing an interview with like a German publication and he's just like, I think what I write about is super fucking sad and it should make you want to kill yourself. And uh, yeah, I mean, I want to kill myself. And it's just like, what? The interviewer goes, it seems like you've kind of chilled out over the last 10 years. And he's like, no, what I was, what I was writing about back in the day was what the people, my fans wanted to hear. But now I'm writing about stuff that should make you want to kill yourself. And then, it, like at the end of the documentary, it shows this guy named Frost, who was a drummer for, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the band, but was uh, it Satyricon? Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, he gets involved in this art installation place where he like actually cuts himself and like what? Like it, it's pretty brutal. At the end of the documentary, it's very brutal. he sits down on a couch and he cuts himself on his arms, and then he cuts his neck like. He slices his neck open, and I I remember genuinely pulling up my phone during this scene. Like, is this guy dying in front of me? I texted Jackson. I was like, "Did I just watch someone kill themselves?" And my wife woke up from a from a nap today and walked out of her out of our bedroom into that scene in the living room, and she was like, <laughs> "You guys have 
popular episodes talking about Britney Spears, and you want to talk about black metal? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to bring? I mean, it's a valid question. I'm sorry, Dave. Did you say my wife? <laughs> my wife. So essentially, um, this this scene breaks up uh, in you know really fitting fashion and just kind of a, a loose fart because everyone goes to jail. <laughs> but what I find really fitting is that these guys were really rebelling against uh, death metal becoming this massive scene and taking over the world. And because of their actions, for better or for worse, they became so just like notorious. Yeah, like uh, borderline idolized. Yeah, but and which they shouldn't be. But because of that, People talk about them. We're talking about them today. This guy, this Italian guy in this uh, documentary does this whole art exhibit talking about black metal. And if they don't understand the irony of that, then, I mean, they're just idiots. And well, it, it is fitting. That that guy, Fernese, he does. He's like, you know, we, we did this thing. We didn't care about anybody else who wanted to not be mainstream. And now... It's totally mainstream. It shows him go to that black metal art exhibit, and he's like, "Can I? Can I fucking go have a cigarette now? Like, I don't want to be here anymore." And I was laughing during that scene because when he's doing that, he's doing it right in front of the artist, because like the artist yeah. is like sitting there, like arms crossed, like, "Oh, I wonder if he's gonna like it." And then I was sitting there thinking, like, "Oh, that must be brutal to have like the subject of your exhibit like say it sucks." But then I was like, "Oh no, this." This Italian artist, he is getting exactly what he wants. Yeah. That, that is yeah, what that, do you expect? That means that he did his job. That's a ringing fitting. endorsement. Yeah, but he just, you know, the whole thing just gets away from them like any other scene does. I mean, I wouldn't say like a loose fart if you're talking about like almost 60, you know, around 60 churches burnt, two death, two murders, and a suicide uh, in a span of a couple of years. That's pretty crazy. But again, they were all young kids that were. I don't know, not to downplay it or to not take any of this very serious and say it's very problematic, but they were kids. <laughs> right. It, it did just kind of like collapse at the end, though. Like, right. They, yeah. How some people it... murdered some people and they were like, oh, shit, this is too real now. Like, we have to stop talking about Satanism and everything else. And I do have their ages uh, during, you know, their most notable incidents. So. Euronymous was 25 at his time of death. Varg was 21 at the time of Euronymous's murder. Dead ended up dying at 22 years old. And Bard, Faust, the, the one who murdered uh, the man in Lilyhammer, was 18 years old at the time of his crime. So these were all kids. And as I mentioned, they were all from middle class to upper class families who... A lot of them were living in apartments that their parents had bought them. Apparently, whenever uh, they were cleaning up Euronymous's apartment after um, he was murdered, his dad found the pictures of dead suicide in a box somewhere and destroyed them. And one guy from Mayhem was like, I was really happy to hear that. He said, I was really angry because Euronymous told me he got rid of those photos, but I was also really happy to hear that his dad finally actually destroyed them. So they were all kids, and, you know, whatever that means, as Dave was saying, like, not to downplay the terrible things they did, but 
these weren't adults doing rational, well-thought-out things, and they weren't organized by any means of the word. And you're welcome to listen to the music. I would encourage you not to listen to Burzum, but do what you must. Uh, But an interesting scene nonetheless, and I do want to end my portion of the episode by saying the references that really helped me uh, put together this outline for this story. Uh, Most notably, I did read Lords of Chaos by uh, Michael Moynihan and Didrik Soderlund. And then there was also the 2008 documentary Until the Light Takes Us, which I know Dave watched it. Adam, I know you watched it. It's it's a pretty good documentary and actually has a pretty solid uh, uh, soundtrack of like these kind of ambient tracks in the background that I really dig. And then also, if you don't want to watch that, There is a 20-minute video on the punk rock NBA called Why Do People Like Black Metal that is equally entertaining as those other two references I used. So that's all I have. The punk rock NBA one is a lot more digestible (laughs) than the other references. Yeah, no, I think that the whole thing um, spiraled. It just really got out of hand, and it's what happens with any scene like that. And then you have, you know, they talked about how there are like copycat church burnings, much like there were unfortunately copycat suicides with Kurt Cobain. It's all part of this, like, you know, it's all fizzling and people are trying to recreate this stuff that was just really unfortunate and shouldn't have happened in the first place. I do want to thank everyone for listening. Wait, we got the name Hagen. Oh, don't worry. We're gonna, um, (laughs) (laughs) with that we're gonna end this episode by naming hagen but thank you for everyone listening subscribe in your podcast anywhere if you can leave a review in your podcast app that does help us shockingly enough you can email us you can always reach out to us in our dms on any of our social medias uh we really appreciate it if you like these song stories or not song stories uh music stories please let us know we have more things we want to talk about we do want to talk about Woodstock 99 and how much of a shit show that was. But with that, let's name Hagen. I vote we name him, name him Bing Bong. Uh, is that from Norse or? I believe so. Yeah, you got to pretend it's coming from somewhere hmm. and not just a Pixar movie. Um, I think we should name him Joachil. That's it. Joachil. And the O has the little slash through it. Yeah, it's great. Yawakil. Let's do All it. Right. With that, we have Yawakil, Alvis, Freyra, and of course, me, Randy, signing <laughs> off. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Fuck off. Give me a towel.